0: All by your own bright power. What could I do without you? Without your loving arms, holding my heart from harm's you? Are well, hello soul. and welcome. You are listening to the Spiritual Exercises Podcast. My name is Rachel Amade. Thank you for being here today. I am really excited. About what I am going to start talking to you about. I am excited about some of the guests I'm working on lining up for you in this series. And I am also curious myself to find out what we discover about this. A lot of times I feel like I'm approaching my series with you all as a true journalist. I am asking some questions, throwing out some hypotheses possibly, but going to look for the facts and going to look for the evidence. And there has been something on my heart and mind for a long time. And I would say probably the first time it came to mind was in 2019 2020, when I saw so much of the world changing and shifting, so much fear of the, um, well, the you-know-what going on, and then fear of the remedy for the you-know-what that happened over the last few years, and I had this really interesting idea that through teacher after teacher and in studying scripture in the last three and four years I've discovered is maybe a valid concept and something other people might be thinking as well. Um, And I, I think other people are probably thinking these things as well, because usually I find that the Holy Spirit goes out to all Of God's people and kind of taps them on the shoulder with the things that he wants them to know. And so we find entire movements of ideas happening at the same time because the Holy Spirit is trying to do a work among the body. And so I will not at all be surprised if I hear from you all and you say, yeah, I've been thinking about this too. But the concept was this. I remember just sitting at the kitchen table in my old house when so much of this was starting and I thought, I think Satan is going after the Holy Spirit position in people. I think that there is an attack now and there has been over the last few thousand years but it became very heavy on my heart that that position is the final position that uh, the enemy, the adversary attempts to take. You know, he tried to sit on God's throne. That didn't work. He thought he killed Yeshua Hamashiach, our Messiah. Obviously, Yeshua overcame death. And so now, what is the adversary always attempting to do? and and you know, it's not. I'm not trying to get in the adversary's head, but I am trying to know the enemy. And these beings, you know, these. Uh, I call them interdimensional beings. They've been around a lot longer than we have. They have known the universe for thousands and thousands of years. They're smarter than we are, okay? I think we really dumb them down when we're like, oh, they just can't wait to, you know... We talked about hell, but, you know, they just can't wait to torture us. And, you know, they're just about death and destruction. There are beings, I think, on this earth that are just about death and destruction. Yes. But I think the adversary, the one, you know, when we talk about Satan, he is not omnipresent. There is one individual Satan, right? That adversary and the demonic influences, those interdimensional beings, they're smart. And I think they're going for a legal position, Okay. And they have to do these things legally. Legally, the adversary was able to take the deed of the planet, control of the planet from Adam and Eve when they fell, when they decided to sin and allow death to enter the planet. The adversary then had the right to come in and take control. There's legal stuff going on in the other realm, and I think we forget this. We kind of see it as a free-for-all, but that's not really what the Bible describes, and that's not really what's going on operationally. But remember, Satan is under the authority of God. He can only do what God gives him permission to do. Remember the story of Job, When the adversary goes into, you know, the chamber with God and God's like, hey, have you noticed Job? And the adversary is actually kind of like, yeah, he's got a hedge around him. I can't do anything to him. That's why he loves you so much. Okay. Well, we're having a legal conversation here. God actually is kind of offering up Job to the adversary saying, this guy's really pretty amazing. And the adversary is saying, "Yeah, I can't reach him because you have put a hedge around him. If you removed that hedge and I had access, I bet he would fall." Okay, what an it's an interesting look at a legal discussion. Uh, Satan did not have legal access to Job. And Job was described as a righteous man, and is this why Satan didn't have legal access? I would argue yes, because Job was righteous; he was walking in righteousness, so there was no door open to the adversary for oppression. That's a discussion for another day. My only point being this: that I think the enemy is constantly needing to use the legal framework that we have in order to do damage and take power, and try to thwart God's plan, which we know he won't. But in the meantime, there are some Bible verses that point to this concept that there is going to be an attempt at the Holy Spirit position and um, that those who allow the adversary to take a Holy Spirit position within themselves, I call it worshiping and taking the mark of the beast, according to Revelation, those people do have no hope. Those people end up being condemned immediately. And we know that Jesus tells us, Yeshua tells us, blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. And and we've always wondered about what that really means because, man, that's a scary thing to commit the unforgivable sin. Well, the only thing I see in Scripture, the only place where there's a group of people who end up kind of in the lake of fire position with Satan and his minions— are those who worship and take the mark of the beast. And so it seems as if that's perhaps this blasphemy against the spirit. But I want to tie this all together. And yes, uh, you know, as you can see from my title today, I am also tying this into an understanding of our bodies as a temple and our health, physical, mental, and emotional. I think, but I, I haven't gotten it all hammered out yet, but I have this, idea that all of these things go together, that we are missing something in our view not only of the end times, but in our view of our bodies. I think part of the reason, and I discuss this in my book, is that we have taken on a dualistic view of our bodies where we say, well, our bodies are awful and they're just made for destruction and our spirits are the wonderful thing and they're You know, uh, they're the only eternal thing, right? And so they're the good thing. That is not at all what the Bible describes about a human being. In fact, Adam and Eve were made perfect. They had perfect spirits and perfect bodies that were going to be eternal, they were bodies that were not going to die that was the original intention of the physical body and remember the bible says not only do you experience one death but if that you do not have the covering of yeshua you experience a second death this means your spirit can also die Okay, so this dual concept, this dualistic view of mankind, that there is a giant separation between body and spirit, and that those two things really have nothing to do with each other, that's just not true. That's just not in the Bible. And it really messes with our view of ourselves and our bodies. And believe me, I am preaching to the choir here. I have not been someone who has always taken care of her body, nor have I loved my body the way that God, I think, asks us to. And not love in an unhealthy, narcissistic way. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about seeing your body as a temple, a dwelling place for the Spirit of God. And what does that have to do with end times prophecy? Well, I think it actually has a lot to do with it. When we demean our bodies and when we defile our bodies, and the the Bible talks about multiple ways that you can defile your body both with sexual activity, with food choices. I think there are things that you can do that defile your body, that affects your spirit, okay? And so I do think in the end, we are possibly going to see that the mark of the beast contains some sort of hybridized information, some sort of, you know, we're, we're looking at mRNA vaccines now. We're looking at something that can go in and change codes in your body. And it can be reverse transcribed into your DNA. That has been shown now. And so it can go into the very seed of who you are and change that information. We're also looking at really strange, strange science, you know, where you have um, a company out there called Ecto, Ecto something. Boy, that's not rolling right off my tongue right now, but They have been working on incubating babies, you know, babies outside of the womb. And these are children that can be manipulated and you can choose how tall they will be different genetic codes, their eye color. You can get rid of disease. You can do all these things you can mess with and play God, create the version of a child that you want, But what else will be messing with that is my question. And, um, you know, one of the big uh, pushes for that is that it will take away the pain of childbirth from women. And gosh, doesn't that sound wonderful to take away the pain of childbirth from women? But I want to remind you, and I've spoken about this not at length, but a little bit, that when God said that childbirth, pain in childbirth would be part of the fall for Eve, the Bible actually describes this as being for her own good. And how the, the ground fights Adam, you know, it's hard work now to have food and to provide. The Bible says this is for their own good. See, one thing that we forget is that pain became an important teacher after the fall. Because without it, because we're fallen in nature, without pain, we can start to believe that we are gods and look at what is happening, right? Okay. Okay. All of this to say, you guys, we th- there is some hybridization going on. There is some weird messing with DNA going on right now. I think this is the same level of thing that was happening in the days of Noah where the demonic, the fallen angel group was able to mess with the DNA of mankind and create Nephilim, create beings that weren't quite fully human. God had to destroy the earth because of what was taking place, because the human DNA had been defiled. Okay, this to me... Is part of this Holy Spirit position. This idea that a demonic entity or something wrong could enter into a human being and Join with that human being to become something else that is a defiling of God's creation. It's why, if you read the Torah, you are forbidden to mess with seeds. Okay, You're not supposed to mix them. You're not supposed to add to them what Monsanto has done with our seeds, putting weird DNA into seeds to make them stronger. That sort of thing is forbidden in scripture for a reason. Now, we know now, we didn't when Monsanto first started doing this, we now know that when you do that with seeds, you when you genetically modify them you make it harder for the body to use the nutrients. You make it harder for the plant to create the right nutrients. But what they did make it easier to do was for the plant to receive the poisons that they like to spray on everything. By the way, I know this might sound crazy town to you. Go look it up. Do your own research. I have done mine. This is exactly what has taken place. And so a lot of people now have allergies and problems with wheat seeds and gluten and all sorts of issues. I'm one of them. I can't eat The gluten here however because they have different seeds that they don't spray their crops in France when I was in France I was able to eat all the weed I wanted to and it was wonderful I will tell you I had pastry every day and I still lost weight while I was there how is that possible well it's possible when you don't destroy your food it's why the Bible says don't mess with seeds because what happened in the days of Noah is they messed with the seed of mankind and God had to destroy the entire earth This is a horrific consequence. But it is an important principle to understand both spiritually and physically in the Old Testament. And it is in both. It is spiritual and it is physical. And so it's why in this series, I'm going to be both talking about our physical bodies and our mental, you know, and physical capacities and mental and physical health, as well as how that applies to the spiritual principle of your body being a temple and end times prophecy around this final temple and what may be happening in the end times that causes a certain group of people to be outside of the realm of forgiveness before the Lord. Yes, it all goes together. And yes, I think if we start to really wrap our heads around health and understanding how incredibly wonderfully we were made and caring for ourselves and our bodies, we will also start to be better caretakers of our spirit and we will be more careful we will have just that much more information to be on the watch for whatever the mark of the beast is and whatever that final system is and maybe not to be looking out for the wrong markers of the end times because i do believe we are also possibly putting too much uh too much of an an input in these certain markers about the temple and about sacrifices and not understanding that John and Daniel could be discussing things that are spiritual in nature as well, and we might be missing some of the signposts of the end times if we only think about it one way. It doesn't mean that we that, that, that way won't take place. I'm definitely never saying that. I'm not going to say that. What I am going to say is there might be other markers, other understanding that we need to just be aware of so that we can prepare ourselves or our children or their children for those very difficult days. They will be difficult days for the believer. Let's get into the Bible on this just a little bit. Um, I'm not going to go specifically either direction today. I just wanted to introduce to you these concepts, these these ideas, and we're going to dig in as we go through this series. We're also hopefully going to have some fascinating guests on both in the mental and physical health realm who are experts in their fields, who are going to give us an update on where are we as a culture, where are we in the church with our mental health, with our physical health? Why is it important that we address both and understand both? And you're going to be shocked if you haven't done this research already at how your spirit, your, your uh, attitudes, your emotions, all of these things are incredibly attached to your physical state. And anyone who's been through pain, Understands that, right? When you're in a lot of pain, it is very hard to grapple with your spirit and to really get a hold of your spirit and to really hear from the Lord. Pain can really either push you towards God or push you away. It is very interesting how the physical affects the spiritual, but we'll get into all of that. We'll talk about all of that. All right. We're going to go to um, and I am trying to recall exactly where. This is, I have First Corinthians 6 written down here. Um, let's just start with this first verse that I have put in here. This is Yeshua, Um Okay, and they're going to bring a demon-possessed person before him. It says this. Then they brought him a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute, and Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see. All the people were astonished and said, could this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, it is only Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then can his kingdom stand? And if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your people drive them out? So then they will be your judges. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? Then he can plunder his house. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. And so I tell you, every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven, but blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. Okay, and I I think I just wanted to reference this because this is this place of this blasphemy against the Spirit, and Yeshua is talking about a house divided against itself. You're not going to have God Almighty in the same space and sharing power with the adversary, And I heard a teacher today say it very well. You know, if you think that Satan, the Antichrist, in the end is going to enter a temple that God is in and take it over, you are sorely mistaken. Okay? If Satan enters a space and God Almighty is on that throne, he is bowing. There is no power takeover in that space. Right? God always wins. And so... You have to think about that as you're reading in times prophecy, you know, the this concept of a temple being built and the Antichrist going into it and taking over just because the temple may be built. Number one, doesn't mean it's a bad thing, but it doesn't sound like that is the temple that God Almighty is dwelling in because the Antichrist would not have any power in that space if he was, you know, and and this teacher kind of explained that. And I thought that makes a little bit of sense when you get to some of those end times verses and prophecies, perhaps there's something else being described there. Okay. We need to think about this. Think about it based on what the Bible says. A house divided itself, a kingdom divided a, a against itself, will be ruined, cannot stand. And he is saying it in this, hey, I'm not a demon driving out another demon. You know, it only that would be divisive in their kingdom. And they're, they're not that stupid. Why do you think they're dumb, basically? I am God Almighty, and dra- I'm driving out a demon because I have the power to do that. Do not blaspheme against the spirit, Okay, if the Holy Spirit has come in and done a work cleaning out of space, then that is the Spirit of God, right? We're not going to call it a demon and we're not going to call a demon the Spirit of God. This is really important because I believe that even today there are spiritual kingdoms set up that look like God, but they are not God and I don't think that we're uh, committing, you know, the unforgivable sin by calling them God if we don't know, right? You know, people don't know that those things aren't the Lord. But what's going to happen in the end when the Antichrist comes and sets himself up as God? But he's not. And so sets himself up in a temple, standing in the temple, according to the Bible. What temple would that be exactly? Standing in the temple, seeming like God. Right, And we call it God. We blaspheme the Holy Spirit. What is that move that is made that, that ends up putting these people in a place of complete un, uh, unforgiveness? Um, let's go to 1 Corinthians 6, starting in verse 6. If any of you has a dispute with another, do you dare to take it before the ungodly for judgment instead of before the Lord's people? Or do you not know that the Lord's people will judge the world? What? Hold on. I got to stop there. I talked about this recently. I'm going to talk about this more. Do you not know that the Lord's people will judge the world? I thought it was Yeshua who judged the world. We got to come back to that later. I do have an answer for that one there. But um, And if you are to judge the world, are you not competent to judge trivial cases? Do you not know that we, we will judge angels? How much more the things of this life? Therefore, by, by the way, this is Paul talking. He's saying that we are going to judge angels. Who's we? What? Okay. Therefore, if you have disputes about such matters, do you ask for a ruling from those whose way of life is scorned in the church? I say this to shame you. Is it possible that there is nobody among you wise enough to judge a dispute between believers, but instead one brother takes another to court and this in front of unbelievers? The very fact that you have lawsuits among you means you have been completely defeated already. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? Instead, you yourselves cheat and do wrong, and you do this to your brothers and sisters. Or do you not know that, that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? That is a rough line, guys. You got to deal with the stuff that Paul says. You have to deal with this. Do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Your body affects your spiritual position. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. You say food for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. What? The Lord for the body? By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never! Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said the two will become one flesh, but whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit." from Paul about the fact that our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, that our bodies were made to be temples of the Holy Spirit. I talked about this a few weeks ago when God breathed his spirit into Adam. There was a place shaped inside man in that moment that was made for the spirit of God. You are the temple. When The adversary goes after that position, the position in the temple. How do we not know that it's not that position he's going after in the end times? The position where the Holy Spirit is supposed to dwell in the new temple that God told us was us now? We can be the temple of the Spirit of God. Our bodies are no longer ours. They belong to God. They were bought at a price. We are called to honor God with what we do with our bodies, what we put into our bodies. We are not to allow hybridization of our bodies because in that there's a possible way and a possible route to the enemy gaining access to a throne in our minds now I I describe in my book the concept for mind and heart in scripture are a little bit linked there's a little bit of a connection there and um I, I don't know how exactly how to describe it well but it seems a lot like mind and heart go together your thought life your what you are thinking about what drives you what drives your next steps your next actions those things all are part of your heart according to scripture it's why the bible Bible. Bible talks about having the mind of Christ, right? Having your thought life be aligned because that helps your heart life be aligned. It puts God on the throne. These are connected, right? And we know this because, um, there are 40,000, uh, brain cells, basically thinking cells that actually exist in your heart, in your physical heart. The, your mind and your heart are very, very, very linked. Okay. And so, This, not just physically, but obviously emotionally, we know that science has not yet truly explained how our mind actually thinks. How do these thoughts actually just come about and work? How does this work, right? We don't have it down, but we know by the Spirit of God, we have these abilities. And so, again, what you think about, that place, that throne in your life, in your mind, in your spirit, I think Satan's going after that in the end times. I think he's going after the hearts of mankind. And I think it is why we see this mark of the beast um, described. It's why we see uh, people willing to do this. This is described because a new God right? Someone who deceives so many that he's almost capable of deceiving even the elect, even the highest ranking human beings in the kingdom of heaven are are almost deceived. They're not, but they're almost deceived by this. How could this be that deceitful? Is it because we don't really understand what John or what Daniel are talking about when they talk about these things? Is it because we possibly have a have the wrong markers we're looking for we haven't gotten it right quite yet and that it's going to be so tricky it's going to be so hard to figure out because we've been listening to teachings that have been taking us down kind of this greek mindset this roman mindset this you know atheistic or um not atheistic this uh Pagan, really uh, his, historicity and ideology around all these things that I've been talking about now on my podcast for a long time? Is it because our ideology around all of that is a little bit off and we're looking for one thing and he's going to do, you know, the adversary is going to do something totally different? I don't know. But I'd like to know more about that because i th- I am feeling the call. I am feeling its importance right now. I want to talk about how Yeshua tells us that the body is a temple. He calls his own body a temple. In John two nineteen through 21, he says, Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. They replied, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and you're going to raise it in three days. But the temple he had spoken of was his body. End quote. Yeshua said that his body was a temple. Okay, and then we are we are told that we are the body of Christ. We are in Christ. When you think about that, like really think about that, really consider the legal ramifications of being part of the body of Christ and then allowing the adversary to have a space in your body and how that will kick out, that will change the dynamic. Like, is that even possible, number one? We should look at that. If it is possible, it is quite a blasphemy. Number two. Number three, think about the ways when we sin. See, this is the sort of teaching that changes my life. I hope it changes yours. It changes how I live. Because when I think about the idea of putting the Holy Spirit through my sinfulness, it really upsets me. I don't want to put the Holy Spirit through that. I don't want to have the body of Christ like Paul says, exposed to evil. Why would I do that? Why would I try to unite the body of Christ to something that is evil? He he names prostitution because sexual immorality is so important. But think about this. The covenant of the Old Testament was a marriage covenant. The new covenant is a marriage covenant. When you go out and you worship other gods or put something else in the place of God, you are cheating. You are committing Adultery. You have gone out to be with a prost- You basically to be with a prostitute. You have joined your spirit to something. All of this stuff is just as much spiritual as it is physical. And so we need to be on the lookout for the things that are trying to take a God position inside a body, inside the body of Christ. Now, I think when I look at all of this, I believe strongly that one of the ways we get to the end times is for Satan to absolutely wreck and destroy the mental and physical health of humanity. That's happening on a grand scale. I think we have psychological disease at a rate we've never seen before. I think we have mental health issues at an alarming rate in our country. We have oftentimes, oftentimes in the past, been very good at destroying people's bodies. I don't think we've ever been as good at destroying people's mental states as we are now. And I think technology has a lot to do with it. I think ideology has a lot to do with it. I think the decline of the church has a lot to do with it. But when you start to attack someone's mental state, you will also end up attacking their physical state because these things are intertwined. And we've done both. Unfortunately, in the last 60, 70 years of this country, we've seen a grave attack against the physical and mental state of the Americans. I think globally, but specifically in America, where we are heavily addicted to both prescription and non-prescription drugs, and where we are leaning heavily on the so-called experts for our spiritual and mental health. And in the meantime, I think we are ceding over the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Not all the time. People need different types of help. I'm not saying that they don't. And I think it's okay to seek out those types of help when your life is on the line or when you desperately need it. Absolutely. Absolutely. But what if we raised our kids? What if we could raise a generation that didn't need those sorts of mental interventions because they understood what fatherhood looked like. They understood what motherhood looked like. We were more interested in character than we are with the color of our skin or the way that we look. We're more interested in how we can be helpers of humanity than we are in how humanity can serve us and our narcissistic ideas. See, Changing our view is going to change our mental health status. More than that, if the Holy Spirit gets in there, everything changes. But it's why Satan wants that position. And he's trying to find every way to legally access that position. And so we need to be on the lookout for it. So I'm excited. I'm excited to bring you some other voices into this podcast. I am excited to talk about how our physical bodies and our mental states are going to play a very big role in what happens in the end. And I really do think it will. And we are going to watch this take place if we are in those last three and a half years. And f- just like John is astonished at what he is seeing in the book of Revelation, we are going to be astonished at what we see. But we need to re be we need to have a lot of voices when it comes to our beliefs around these things. Because None of us really know how all of that is going to play out exactly. But if you go to scripture, some of the ideas that we have that we say absolutely have to take place, you're going to find out they don't actually have to take place Something else could be going on. And that's what we're going to explore. We're going to just do it in tandem. I think both of these topics are really interesting for people right now. People are into health. They're trying to figure out why we're so unhealthy. Why are we struggling so much? Why is there so much disease? They want to know. I do too. I do a lot of research in this regard. And I do think it's important because I think God loves you. And he wants you to do all that he has written into your story. And it's very hard to do all of that when your physical health is on the line all the time. And I know this. I'm somebody who has struggled with some things physically, and I know how debilitating pain can be. I know how hard on your spirit it can be. And I know it can become a major challenge to do the next right thing when you feel like garbage. So we're going to talk about how to improve our physical and mental health and how that is going to help us deal with whatever's coming next because I know it's going to. And believe me, the Spirit of God is at the center of all of it. Hey, just a reminder for you all, I hope you are planning on celebrating Passover this week. If you are looking for a Haggadah, which is basically just the order of the Seder dinner, I have had the pleasure of putting one together for my church, and it has a lot of elements that kids can be involved in, that different family members can be involved in, and it kind of also... As you read through it, we'll give you the layout of the things that you want to have at your Seder dinner to make sure that you are doing um, kind of all of the symbolism and able to really teach your children about it or just you and your spouse, whoever it is there. Seder dinner is about family, and so you want to do it with your family. I want to encourage you you do this this Wednesday night. And if you need a Haggadah, if you need a way to get through it, that anybody would understand it's a, it's a dumbed down. um, It's still long enough. It it gives you a lot to do at the dinner, but it's dumbed down enough. You know, there's not a lot of Hebrew in there. There's not a lot of things you're not going to understand. I would be just so pleased to send this to you to help you have your own Seder dinner. So please let me know if you're interested. Um, Please consider observing that this Wednesday and taking Thursday off as it is a Sabbath day. And uh, please reach out with any prayer requests, needs, ideas, teachers, whatever it is you're doing right now. I'd love to hear about it. Blessings, you all. And um, I will be back next time.